You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, Andy, so much to talk about today. Uh, the, the Dennis Schroeder saga has officially come to an end. One of the strangest chapters in recent Lakers history um, comes to a very disappointing conclusion for Dennis. Yeah, it was uh, not Sergut uh, for no. Dennis Schroeder. He ended up signing a one-year deal with the Celtics. Boo! The hated or, Celtic. That's so like Dennis actually, Schroeder to just jump to the Celtics. He knew he was never really a Laker. He never understood what I, it was like. I, I actually feel like in some ways for Laker fans, we're going to get into you know all the different elements of this, including what's been some very evident uh, schadenfreude out schadenfreude. there. Perfect. Uh, I mean, if there ever was a time to talk yeah. about schadenfreude, this is yes. the day. But I, I think for a lot of Laker fans, like the idea of Schroeder not just having to take that one-year taxpayer mid-level exception for 5.9, um, but also with a team that they despise. Like, yes. a team that they hate making Schroeder do that. Like, there's there's probably a twisted perversion to it. There's something. So. I, 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 though, am just looking forward to his uh, Thank You, Dennis video when Boston <laughs> visits this year. Um, no, it's not, it's not going to happen. But we were going to definitely talk about that. All kidding is, aside, really quick with that. Sure. I really hope in some ways that Montrez Harrell gets moved again by the Wizards somewhere else, just because if he ends up in a thank you video with Kuzma and KCP, yeah, like the not, discrepancy between what those two were ultimately a part of and what Harrell was a part of, like that's going to be And it's also too, it presents an interesting conundrum. Like if you're going, it's almost like when you're in like third grade and you invite like five kids from your class do you have to invite everyone from the yeah. class so like I'm just saying, is it rude like, if you leave out trez from the thank you video well, but, but i don't look it's, if you want it's to a good a, question if you want to do a video for trez that's fine whatever i mean that's just sort of how this stuff works now and, and trez played really hard whatever i have i have no issue if you if you want but to just, do you know, you're right a I thank mean, you KCP, video for alfonso K mckinney go for it I, right traditionally it's KCP everyone together and and and, and uh coos would get one right they were here long enough. And and you typically do it if it's, uh, you know, multiple guys from the team before their first visit back. You typically right. do them all together. Mm -hmm. Trez has no business being in one with KCP or Coos. No. Like, no. that's but honestly going to be embarrassing to him. We'll see how that goes. Um, so we'll do that. Uh, but then the, the other big thing was uh, over the last couple of days, the Lakers continue to introduce new players that they've signed, new players that they've traded for, including Tuesday. Uh, Russell Westbrook, the first real in-person press conference with Rob Palenka and Frank Vogel and a superstar uh, since, you know, pre-pandemic, certainly. And uh, it, this was Tuesday afternoon at Staples Center. And Westbrook, I, I'll oh, tell you Carmelo this. Anthony also was introduced. Right. Well, that, was, that, well. that was uh, on Monday. So a lot to react to there. We'll start with Russ. I, I Look. I, I, I've said this a million times, Andy. I, I don't know how this is going to turn out as a basketball move, ultimately in what I think will be a, a finals run. Where this ends up going, I don't know. But like all the reasons that fans love Russ as a player, why players love Russ as a player, all of that came through at Tuesday's press conference. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you can feel you and I actually did not attend the press conference at Staples in person. We we've both we got zoomed kids. it, baby. Yeah, we both got kids who are home right now. Our family's actually visiting. So, I mean, there was just a lot going on. I and- also didn't read the press release closely <laughs> enough to know I had to RSVP <laughs> to be there in person. There That's is also that. true. Yes. But but Russ is one of those guys that you really can feel that charisma, even from a pretty nondescript dais over zoom i mean he's just Mm -hmm. one of those dudes and and especially when he was wearing what was kind of like a a suit with shorts uh, (laughs) almost like the almost like the suit that lebron a few years ago brought his teammates which i was or what angus young used to wear all the time with acdc yeah i was convinced by the way that he bought them those suits as punishment like basically (laughs) it was humiliation that they all had to wear those together it's like get your shit together and i'll make you dress like adults until then you're dressing like children but like you just British feel, children, it looked like, too. <laughs> you just feel everything with Russ. I mean, he's just a dynamic personality. You know, at times, that strength of it can be overwhelming. But at the same time, he's also one of those dudes that really sets, like, a culture of accountability, intensity in a good mm-hmm. way. And even in just getting to know him in this setting, that was evident. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're going to get back to Schroeder here in a second. I want to dwell on him, but like, it's unfair to say Dennis didn't play hard. He played extremely hard all the yes, time. He did. But the, 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 the package of the Dennis Schroeder experience projects a certain aloofness. That's probably partially his personality. That's probably part just sort of a little bit cultural, that sort of German chilliness. Um, or whatever, and then, you know, <laughs> I mean, are, you, are you talking about him? Like he's some dude, like in a black turtleneck. Now it's time on sprockets where we dance kind of yeah. attachment. To, <laughs> that feels to more like you projecting things that you, no, I mean, he's, there's a German. certain aloofness to, to Dennis, okay. um, that did not translate to him playing hard, but the overall package is a, like Russ drips whatever the opposite investment whatever the opposite Mm -hmm. of aloofness is like russ drips that because the dude cares and that's why i mean he plays the way he does he plays so hard and all of that like you you can wonder whether or not the fit's going to be there um you can question whether or not the style is the best style whether he can be the third best player playing that way how well all of it's going to age at 47 million dollars or whatever it is next year but you have to respect how much the guy cares yeah and the way he plays is from how well, you know why he cares so much which is why by the way I loved him so much before the trade and why you said it would be better if they didn't trade for him so it wouldn't be spoiled by actually translating to wins and losses for the team that I cover well, I mean, depending on how this works out, I mean, there there is there is always a chance you're going to come out of this absolutely loving him even By more. Way, but good there, chance, right? But there's no question that this is also a a more complicated route than was absolutely necessary. Though it was interesting because um, you know, in talking about that intensity and the way that he plays. He was asked um, specifically by Ramona Shelburne and maybe by somebody else about his relationship with Kobe, and you know, they were very close. And he said that, you know, that that's been in his head a lot, especially once he began mulling the possibility of becoming a Laker. And it's really been on his mind ever since the trade. And it was a relationship for him that was like brothers, but, you know, temperamentally, those two were so similar. And you and I years ago, when, you know, Kobe was frankly still playing much less afterwards, like 
that concept of who's going to be the face after Kobe Bryant, who's because that is, even of it. Yeah, that that is a hell of a torch, you know, to have passed to you. And there are a lot of people. I mean, it's difficult enough to be the franchise face for the Lakers, period, much less the guy directly following Kobe. And you and I used to talk about all the time how if there was one guy in the league that just temperamentally was that guy to do it, it was always Russ. You know, I mean, this mm-hmm. was a decade ago, and it's interesting that now it's happening, but he's always been like cut from that cloth, you know, uh, of Kobe. And, you know, he was Kobe approved in a yeah, big he way. He was. And, and one of my favorite moments of the press conference, he was asked about that. And before the next question came out, like Palinka interjected with his own story about how Kobe would talk about it, which is very Rob. It's, you know, yes. the, you know, both to interject and then also, too, they had that, you know, a genuinely deep relationship with Kobe and wanted to pass that along. But Rob loves telling Kobe stories. So I, yeah, I, I appreciated that. Um, Hopefully this one was accurate. <laughs> there, there's been a few. There have been a few. <laughs> you know, there, there, have been, there are a few versions of Kobe chopping down the, the cherry tree. <laughs> well, I mean, I think this one, I, I have a feeling this story from Rob was true because it did not involve Heath Ledger at all. No. So I, I've, yeah. I, have a, I have a good, good story. Yeah, no, I mean, Kobe talked all the time about Russ. But like the reason is, is because as the kids say, Russ DGAF. I mean, he just, mm-hmm. and genuinely, we, all of us say, I don't care what other people think. Like, players say it all the time they're all lying like all of except russell westbrook mm-hmm. like he genuinely you can tell by the way he dresses you can tell by the way he he plays um and just the the attitude that he has he genuinely he doesn't care what we think i'm sure he cares what his peers think he does and the people that he respects i'm sure he i mean he care what kobe thinks i'm sure he cares what lebron thinks what he, he doesn't care what we think and by the way no. he shouldn't nope <laughs> he's russell westbrook nope. um other things that he said, there's there's one other thing that I thought um, was kind of fascinating that he said that reminded me a little bit of sort of post-Kobe arguments, particularly in this, in this city, um, that I thought was pretty interesting, uh, reacting to Russ at Tuesday's press conference. And we'll talk about that. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guy that helped you sleep? Focus, just be better. And, yes. And in. Or was that a rhetorical it, question? I'm it sorry. was both rhetorical <laughs> and, I guess, informational. Because yes. the answer is yes, Brian. And if you've got <laughs> ten minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is the daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. One of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better, whether you're overwhelmed or you're having difficulty with sleeping. That's the area, the benefit I covet the most. Anything that helps me sleep, I am all over it. Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. It can help you with wind-down sessions. It's great for parenting because Brian and I both know, you know, we love our children, but my God, they can be a pain in the ass. Yeah, they ruin everything. Yes, they really do. But again, love them so much. But still, Headspace's approach to mindfulness reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, and it lends to your overall sense of well-being. It's got right now 600,000 five-star reviews just like this podcast and over 60 million downloads. Again, just like this podcast. podcast. You deserve to be happier. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That is headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free 
one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Built Bar. It is, uh, you're like me, Andy. Most people want to be. I, I, I am frequently told that I'm aspirational. Um, you need something that's good for you, that's healthy, that tastes good, uh, high in protein, low in sugar and calories because you're on the go all day. You're taking the kids here and there. You're trying to get a workout in whatever it is, mostly the kids going back and forth to workout, less so for me. But that, that makes Built Bar even more important because I got to eat things if I'm snacking that are good for me. Uh, Built Bar, even more delicious than before, 18 flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. They're all coated with 100% real chocolate. Even without all that sugar, it, they help calm my, uh, my sweet tooth and I have a ferocious one. Built Bar, better than a candy bar. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The other part of Russ's press conference Tuesday, Andy, that I thought was really interesting was when, actually there are a couple things, we'll do this first. He was asked whether or not he had something to, he felt he had something to prove. And the, the, the tenor of the question is, you've never won a title. Right. Um, you know, you have a very specific way of playing. That is, you've only been in the finals criticized. once. Right. You know, people criticize your style of play and all this other. And Russ's answer was no. And I remember a few years ago when, you know, KD was asked the question by, again, by Ramona. This was a bunch of years ago, um, whether or not this was a wasted season and after they lost, um, didn't win a title. And he said, like he thought it was absurd, like a really dumb question. And all of that comes out of that, that sort of Kobe thing. Kobe said, this, if I don't win, it's a wasted year of my life. And I love that players are in a space now where they can answer that question honestly. And, you know, Westbrook has things to prove in the sense that, you know, he could become even greater. Um, but this is something I think, for me at least, that I've tried really hard to appreciate and it comes from actually a point that our former colleague at ESPN Max Kellerman made once it's like it's certain guys are are the greatest of the great like I don't I don't want I, what would you say Westbrook is all time top 100 top 75 he's top definitely 50 be, I, I, I mean he's definitely going to be top 50 something like that I mean something you know, like that just just by virtue of winning an MVP you're in pretty select company. Some, so he's somewhere we can argue about. I, I, I'm not a basketball historian. I could get it wrong, but he's one of the top 10 point guards probably of all time or whatever. I would you know, somewhere so, in yeah. there. Somewhere in there. Yeah. That, that is a remarkable, like you are one of the greatest who ever played the game. And Max made, you know, made this point. I, I forget who it was about. It might have even been about Kobe. Like, would it be great if they were even greater than they are? Yes, because Russ has certain shortcomings that are particularly important in the modern game with shooting. He's got to have the ball in his hands a lot, and you question whether or not that that works as well when he's not the best player on his team. But I mean, what does Russ really have to prove? He's gonna he's he's, he's if he quit walked away today. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, I, and I, I I get it. I mean, I understand what they're getting at with the question, but I loved his answer that he doesn't feel like he's validated in a certain well, okay. way. Okay, I, I was going to say, it's it depends on how you're asking the question because mm -hmm. like the way he framed it was, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think I'm getting to the spirit of his answer. 
between where he was drafted, because at the time, nobody expected he'd be drafted fourth overall. Correct. The entirety of his career, which you know includes all-time triple-double leader, the MVP season, a lot of winning, despite all the criticism that, that comes. Just not enough for some people. Right, just not enough, whatever. Um, the platform that he's been able to create for himself, as he put it, just making it out of the hood. Like, from his perspective, his career speaks for him, for itself. And I think he's right. You know, what he could have to prove, like, to whatever degree it matters to him, but certainly I think this is something that people are, if nothing else, looking to see, is how willing slash able are you to make adjustments in certain way towards a bigger picture than your own play? Mm-hmm. Because one of the criticisms of Russ has just been, the way he plays as a central component of, of a championship caliber team or a team that wants to win a championship, whether he's the focal point or the 1A guy, whatever, his style does not lend itself to deep playoff runs, much less championships. And right. In a seven-game but- series against good defensive teams, he's easier right. to scheme against than KD or Giannis or right. so- LeBron. What is he willing or capable to adjust, subvert, however you want to put it, in order to you know make the Lakers the best version of mm-hmm. themselves, even if it's not the way he's always played? I guess that's something that he could be looking and, to prove, to me, but that's not what's being asked of him by that question. Right. And to me, the things that that if the answer is suddenly Russ moves better off again, nobody stop with the he's going to develop into like adjusting you can't adjust your way into being a good three-point shooter that's not how the world works but you can adjust in better defense better attention to detail on the defensive side of the ball you know russ off the ball has a tendency to get lost ball watching um you know and offensively offensively stand around yes and he talked about how he's been a great impact guy off the ball during his career. There's some debate about that. But, like, you know, well, can I mean, you do those things? Impact can be taken a lot of different ways. That's right. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to to see his response to that. And, th- you know, doing better at those things would make him greater. Um, but it doesn't – he doesn't need those things. He doesn't need – a cer- there's a certain kind of validation that will elevate him even higher – but he uh, he doesn't he doesn't need to feel insecure about what he's accomplished Look, at this point in his career. I'm and it's just and it, it's one of these things too. And, and, I'll, and we'll finish up here on, on this topic. I mean, like part in the reference to Kobe, like part of the things that made Kobe not quite as great maybe as you'd wanted to be, you know, were also the things that made him great. You know, if you take some of those things away, there's a risk that some of the good stuff goes away too. And I think with Russ and the way he plays, if you take some of the attacking style, if you take some of the questionable decision-making in terms of shot selection, all that stuff, and just the hyper-aggressiveness with which he plays, you take some of that away, he's not necessarily Russ anymore. So it's like you you almost have to take a little bit of the bad to get all the good stuff. And I I just... I. I guess before the season starts and we all start picking apart his game and wishing it was something else, if things don't, you know, if the Lakers struggle to adjust, I, I just, I, I think it's important to take a moment to appreciate it. I mean, I think ultimately just, and this is something that I think LeBron figured out a long time ago. And I think there are some of his peers, I think like Steph, you know, a few others ha- have come to this realization, you know, these guys all care about history. They all care about, you know, sort of where the, the historical, pundits place, you know, I mean, all that, that's part of the culture, but ultimately 
the person you need to satisfy with your career and with your legacy is you mm-hmm. before everybody else. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad that somebody cares what you and I think, because otherwise we wouldn't have a job. But the truth is what you and I think ultimately of Russ's career and Russ's legacy, like doesn't matter. No. And that's the same thing. I don't, I, you know, I don't care if you're talking about guys as high profile as Stephen A. Smith, like ultimately what he thinks of it doesn't matter. What matters is what Russ thinks. And Russ sounds like somebody that's very secure with where he is and he should be. Yeah. Last thing, and we didn't even have to get into it. I, I, I thought it was interesting too, when talking a lot about Westbrook and the fit and all that stuff, they talk a lot about culture. They talk a lot about attitude, all of leadership, all of those things, which are, are the non-basketball related stuff. And a lot of, we'll figure it out when it comes to the basketball. They're very non-committal when it came to figuring out like any, anything of like, how do you guys think you're going to make this work? It was like, Hey, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. And well, it's, I mean, a minute. It's, there's going to be ups and downs. That's going to sure. happen. I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. It, look, one thing, if you want to feel hopeful that they'll figure it out, uh, as Palinka mentioned, uh, Russ used to get triple doubles with force, but now they're done with more thoughtfulness. Mm. I have no idea what the hell that means. I know what that means. <laughs> it, it, it felt almost like a backhanded compliment I, to Russ. I, I, <laughs> I think it was him just trying too hard to be profound. Either way, I Rob laugh. hasn't had a chance to to spread his wings and fly That's in true. a little while. I mean, you got he's, he's he's suffered through the pandemic too. He, he, I'm he actually surprised. I'm actually surprised there wasn't more. He so. could have actually used like a couple opportunities to work, you know, workshop his material, you know, it's, tight five, something like it's that. Been, right. It's been tough. Um, the, uh, before we get to Dennis, uh, Mello was sort of the, you know, in, in keeping with um, veterans who are going to be very easy to root for as human beings. Yeah. Uh, Mello at his press conference, Zoom uh, from his home, I, I think. We think. Um, <laughs> it looked like. Or like some sort of. Well, it like looked like. Brian. Brian, not it looked the club, like, but like the the old like the, it the looked like way. it was Carmelo Anthony's steakhouse inside right. an actual house. Like <laughs> I kept I kept waiting for a sommelier to right. walk from, joining us from his library, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> By the way, every presser should be from now on right. from wherever should, the hell Melo was. They should was. build a set. And yes, just bring it, it in. was fantastic. Um, but just you would talk about a guy who is you again. You understand why he is so popular among his peers. Mm-hmm. Um, he just—he's going to be another easy guy to root for, like a guy that around the league, you—you you look at the team and you say, "Hey, I, I don't have a problem with that guy winning." Um, this—I mean—they're shaping up to be again to be a a very likable group. Yeah. Um, first of all, you can come at Mello with all of the old guys' jokes, and he's one of the older guys on the team. He said, "Oldest, both, I think, isn't he?" He's a. Uh, I, mean, I think he's the oldest. I can't remember if Jared Dudley's 40 or 50. No, Jared but... Dudley is an old soul, but he is younger than Carmelo. Okay, Anthony. well, either way, though, Melo may be the oldest guy on this team, but he, he said both in a way that was joking, but I think also, honestly, like, we don't care. We don't care how old this team was. He was kind of laughing when he said it. Um, he said that a championship is basically the only and granted, thing. He is... also forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> he, had to, he had to put on his readers. Um <laughs> But he said that championship right now is the only thing that's he's missing. He did missing. the whole interview with one of those old-fashioned horns <laughs> in his ear. The, the thing, though, that stood out to me most that I thought was really interesting from Mello was he was asked a question about the adjustment to coming off the bench, which he did last year full-time with Portland. And, you know, we can all remember in OKC where that question was posed to him and he acted like it was a, a personal affront. And he said that he had to swallow ego and pride to accept the role, but also used ego and pride to stay motivated. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was a really smart way of phrasing it and thinking about it. Like that same ego that would make him think that he's above coming off the bench would be what would ultimately lead him to flourish in it because that ego is going to prevent him from, you know, just sort of drifting into or pouting into becoming an afterthought. Like he still wants to be Carmelo Anthony in some form when he's on the court. And I think that's served him really well the last few years. Yeah. I mean, you just, you talked a lot about how much you just, you kind of, he being away from the game showed him how much he loved the game and he wanted to get back and play. And that meant, you know, that when he came back to Portland, he was still a starter, but a different kind of starter. And then he was asked to change his role, you know, really become a bench role guy last year in his second year in Portland and enjoyed it and embraced it. And like you said, the, the, the ego challenge of relearning, you know, 17 years or whatever he's played. It's a long, you know, it's a lot of time to be a starter and you have a certain routine and unlearn those things and and not even, taking fewer shots or just like literally you got to recalibrate how you do your whole game i've said like many times i think that, that hurt west matthews i i think that yeah, hurt west matthews last year um he has been a starter basically his whole career yeah and um, i think it was difficult for him to adjust and so hearing him talk like that just there is a, a sort of an honesty and a transparency with him that again, you understand why he's so popular, and it's somebody that I, I hope that we're able to at least get around a little bit um, over the course of the season, depending on what the protocols are and how media works and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah, he's Carmelo Anthony. I mean, like I mean, we we both remember, like you know, you talk again, you want to like Westbrook. Would it be better if Carmelo did certain things better? Sure, but he is one of the great scorers of this or any other generation, and. um you know, we're not getting that guy in LA now, but he's, you know, he is Carmelo Anthony. So it's, yeah. It's I mean, we've both also just always had a soft spot for the guy. Yeah, so I really want to see this work out. All right. So Andy, you and I would be very excited if we sign some sort of contract that over the next calendar year would pay us $5.9 million. Like that would be great. I could live with it. I could be, I'd take half, <laughs> take half of that. Um, if you could have had $84 million, though, yeah, it stings a little. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week, as always, tons of sports action on the go. So get all the latest odds, news, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB. UFC, MMA, the NFL. We're going to get preseason soon, and all of a sudden, right. fantasy drafts and Chargers this weekend. Right. And then you're going to have the actual NFL season. So, a lot of sports, as always, swirling about us. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm very, I'm, I personally am going to, I'm looking forward to betting on how many times Kirk Cousins throws into the plexiglass wall that he has to build around himself while he plays football. Um, <laughs> I, uh, man, the, the Dennis Schroeder saga came. Speaking of a- anti vaxxers. <laughs> The de- I, I don't, we don't know if if Schroeder, I guess, technically is an anti-vaxxer as much as he is just terribly unlucky to not get COVID twice. Mm. Um, this is one of the strangest sagas 
when you think about where it started and where it finished in recent Lakers history, Schroeder turns down $84 million during the season because he really wants to be a free agent, at the very least thinks he won't hurt himself. And I so badly misplays the free agent market signs with the Celtics on Tuesday for uh, the taxpayer mid-level, about $5.9 million. Fans are not unhappy it seems, with this result. Uh, Dennis is not getting fair. a ton of sympathy on uh, local Twitter. Nope. <laughs> What's your general feeling about this? I mean, look, I, there are a lot of different angles to this. I think, you know, at its simplest form, I think the situation is Dennis Schroeder really overstated both his talent and his market value mm -hmm. across the league. And even having overstated both of those elements could have gotten a lot of money but I think in a lot of ways, he looked a gift horse in the mouth. And I mean, he got, I think, deluded, if not greedy with some of this. And, and by greedy, I want to make it clear. Like, I firmly believe if you're a player, get all the money you can. But you got to define can well. And the numbers that we were hearing that Schroeder wanted were frankly effing insane. <laughs> like he's not 120 million. I mean, look, even if you're I'm going to be honest, the, that's, the, that's even like hundred million. Like that's bad. Even from posturing standpoint, look, man, the money that the Lakers were by multiple accounts going to give him four years, 84 million. That is a massive overpay for Dennis Schroeder, like period point blank, full stop. That is well, above his market value. And I knew that before free agency began. I knew that that was well above it. And the Lakers were going to give that to him because I think, you know, I think he thought he had them over a barrel from the moment he arrived. And to some degree, he did, I think, for at least a while before the Lakers started looking at other options, including ultimately trading for Russell Westbrook. But when they traded for Dennis Schroeder, they thought of him as a long-term piece. Yes. And may maybe they were too outward in that and, you know, maybe showed their cards a little bit too much. And it led to Schroeder feeling like he had a massive advantage over them. I know you and I both thought for a while, like he was the one in the driver's seat, but you have to know where you really stand. And I think he really overinflated that standing and that stature for a while, even while he still could have gotten more than he was worth. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers inevitably were were set up to overpay him, probably some, you know, by three or four million dollars, based on what the market, probably the open market, would give him. Even coming <laughs> off a good season, and that's Way not necessarily bad. Like there is a there is an Earth too, in which the mm -hmm. season doesn't disintegrate completely. True, Schroeder has a good year, maybe not exactly like what it looked like in Oklahoma City, but a a good year. It you know. It makes sense to, you know, you're you're not at the very least, you're not unhappy that he's still here and going sure. forward and all that stuff. I, he didn't have a bad season with he the didn't. Lakers. And and that's and here's what I think is so fascinating about it. Again, he played really hard. And there were it's not like he was, you know, indifferent to the Lakers trying to win games. It's not like all of this stuff. He's just such a weird dude. <laughs> That he was, he became, it was a little Dwightish, like Dwight 1.0, in that it's just, there were times when it's just sort of hard to root for the guy, and the weirdness of COVID didn't help him. And, and having to sit out twice for the protocols didn't help him. And 
like all of this stuff, like it could not have gone worse. And that's the part that I think is amazing about it. And I, I don't, I don't relish the guy turning down $84 million and ending up with 5.9. Like I, I don't, no. I don't take joy in that. I really honestly don't think fans should either. Like he's not like, he didn't like murder. someone. he's not like, I mean, all he did was overestimate his own value. And I understand greed is not a, a, an appealing quality, but some, it's not even so much. It's not just greed. It's also just the belief that these guys have in themselves. He had well, a, well, I think know, he, kept, though, he I, said it me... when he got here, I want to be a free agent. I want to get, he kept saying it throughout the year. I want to do that. May have not may have been that turned out to be wildly stupid. Right, but let, let me say this really quick. I just, though, I, right? I, 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 from a, from a fan's sort perspective, of a thing though, that he had. from a fan's perspective though, I, I agree with you. I, I don't root for anybody to lose money unless they are just truly a bad person. Like I don't even like, mean sports. I'm rooting for Trevor Bauer to lose money. Yes. Trevor Bauer can lose all the money and yeah. I'm good with that. There are far worse people than Dennis Schroeder, but where I, where I understand the Laker fans perspective mm -hmm. of relishing in this a bit, even if I don't agree with it is it's not just that Schroeder overestimated his market value. It's that in the way he went about doing this, it can feel like a lack of gratitude towards a team that was actually begging to overpay him. They were begging to give the guy way more than his market value. And he still turned it down because he felt like he had the screws to them. They, I, you can say he wanted to get to free agency, but it is, I think, incredibly naive to think that he didn't want to get to free agency in part because he thought that could turn the screws on the Lakers even further. I think he because he thought he was going to have way I, more offers. I think he thought he was going to, uh, no question, he was going to have more offers. And at the very least, he wasn't going to lose from, much money off of it. From and a fan's he, perspective, I, I will say though, this. I, don't I, think get he, where the, I get where they're coming from, even if I don't oh, feel the exact totally same way agree. about it. I get it. Totally agree. Um, and, I, and it's very clear he didn't, you know, I'm sure all things being equal, you go, you play with LeBron, you got a chance to win a couple titles, whatever it is. Like, believe him when he said he'd love to stay in L.A., but I also don't think he cared. Like, I think he wanted to go where he could get paid the most, which is yes. okay. Fair deal. Fair deal. I get it. But like fans don't like that either, especially when the team that's offering to pay is offering to pay 84 million. But I, I mean, people, somebody should write a book because the year that Dennis Schroeder spent with the Lakers was amazeballs. Um, and I will never forget it. Um, I, I, Anthony Davis will miss him, if nothing else, as a Call of Duty buddy. They can, they can do um, that online. But, right, but I'm just saying, you know, it's easy I mean, other than you can coordinate. Other than the like, time he's got difference. The time difference. Boston, There's a big, yeah. yeah. I mean, harder the, now. The one thing, though, that I think moving forward that, that can be a lesson for the Lakers, because ultimately, you know, taking this back to the beginning with the Danny Green deal to where the Lakers are now, which was losing Schroeder for nothing. Mm -hmm. And even though they they may have dodged, or not even may have, they did in some ways dodge a bullet with what would have been a bad contract for Dennis Schroeder. If nothing else, even if you think of Westbrook's deal as bad, it's shorter. And Westbrook's much well, better, Westbrook's better than Schroeder. Where I think, though, Rob Palinka needs to self-assess, you know, I, I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago and got a shit ton of pushback on it, but I'm not wrong. If Schroeder walked for nothing, I said this at the time, which he ultimately did, you have to chalk up the Danny Green trade as a mistake in some ways because they did this deal looking for Schroeder to be a long-term piece. 
And you can only trade Danny Green once. You can only trade that pick, which Lakers have very few of them, one time. If nothing else, I don't know if they did enough homework on Dennis Schroeder, who's always been known as a super mercurial personality. Rondo. Yeah. And I think just moving forward, I think it's a lesson that can be learned from that is just, you know, really making sure that you know the guys that you're bringing into your locker room, especially if it's for somebody that you're targeting for a long stay. You know, this is not a massive indictment of Palenka. No. All front offices make mistakes. And Palenka, all things considered, I think rebounded pretty well. It's, it, but this I was mean, a mistake. I, I think it's a mistake in the sense that it certainly turned out wrong. I think it, it was a bad outcome. There's no question about that. The I think it depends a little bit without getting into a deep semantic argument. It depends a little bit on your if if you're defining mistake as sort of outcome. I agree with you that they underestimated the impact of having guys like him and Trez who are more in their prime as potential free agents as opposed to one-year deals and older guys or make goods or whatever. That's not where these guys were. Um, I don't, other than, I guess, the the homework aspect of it and really understanding guys' personality, I don't necessarily think it was a mistake in process because the trade made a lot of sense and we both thought that at the time. Well, I did when I thought he was coming off the bench. But either way, there's still, and he didn't play horribly and everything went wrong this season. And so I think there... Dennis Schroeder is not the reason they didn't win a championship. No, like, and I, I just think it's it's hard. It, the The logic of the trade was sound. Whether you know you can disagree with starter versus reserve, but he was going to play a very prominent role in potentially finish yes. games anyway. Yep. And had everything not gone as wrong as it possibly could in 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 a lot of ways, the trade could have worked, and so the result could have been a lot better. And so it was definitely a mistake. It was definitely a mistake as defined by bad outcome because the outcome couldn't have been worse leaves for nothing um but i don't think the process behind it was terrible it was the process was clearly flawed in some ways around the sure. personality aspects of but i don't flaws. think it was a, i mean i look, don't flaws, think it was that bad a process look flaws lead to mistakes again i'm not presenting it, again, this as a scathing indictment on, it of on how it just some people will hear a mistake and disagree with how you're framing it based on that those people are wrong i'm framing it differently right and so i think you're wrong too i'm not i I don't (laughs) think i I don't think so um anyway uh we will not soon forget the other people though are wrong i i am it's certainly if you're not framing it as bad outcome then you're definitely wrong you know you can and then it's just a question of arguing about process and really what defines a front office mistake um but uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, keep an eye out for Friday's show. We're going to have Jacob Rood on at a uh, new addition to Silver Screen and Roll. He actually covered Malik Monk last yeah. year uh, with the Hornets. And so we're going to talk Lakers basketball. We're going to talk Malik Monk. Uh, excited about that show because I need somebody to explain Malik Monk to me. Um, we'll do that on Friday. And then uh, tomorrow, I don't know, we'll do something. It'll be fun. We're going to do, do the mailbag. We're going to open yeah. the mailbag. That's what we're doing. Um, all right. We'll see everybody next time.